Welcome back to the Revelation Power Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Hopkins, and this is episode 194. Today, we rejoin our discussion in the book of Romans in chapter 5. And we're going to begin today in verse 6. So in the first five verses, we saw those things that are ours because we are justified by Jesus Christ. And we, we listed them out. Uh, they are not just benefits, but they are gifts that we have in Christ Jesus because uh, he has died for us and justified us, made us righteous before God. So in verse 6, then, Paul explains a little bit about our justification and how it came about. It sounds like this. Romans chapter 5, beginning of verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were absolutely powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a very good person or a very close friend, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, I know it's only three verses, but we have to stop there. And we have to deal with the truth of this whole thing. It's a reminder, all have sinned and do now fall short of the glory of God. It's a reminder of what was paid to purchase our justification, our salvation, as we use modern terms. What it cost and who it was for, and what we were like when the price was paid. There's a lot here in these three verses. He starts out, you see, which means I want you to understand. I want you to be able to perceive the truth behind the words. You see, at just the right time, when we were absolutely powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Man, there's a lot right here. At just the right time, it was God's plan. It was the time that God had appointed for salvation to come to the world. The implication is that the world was as dark as it could get. The world was as sinful as it could be. Israel was wayward. The temple was was a transactional place, not a place of the presence anymore. Men's hearts were about as wicked as they could get. The world was sinful and ungodly. And nowhere, in no nation, in no people, was the presence of God really at work. Was the person of God really at work? So that constitutes just the right time. But deeper than that, at just the right time, comma, when we were absolutely powerless, comma, that's what defines the exact right time. There was no power within men 
to bring about salvation. What he's saying is all those animal sacrifices, that wasn't going to do it. All of the drink offerings and the grain offerings and the smoke offerings weren't going to do it. All the prayers, all the gesticulations, all the self-flagellations, whatever people were going through, weren't going to make it happen. At the moment that men were the most powerless to bring about their own salvation, in fact, absolutely powerless to reach God, God reached them. God reached us. At just the right time, when we were absolutely powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. How does a just God justify the unjustifiable? By sending a Savior. By sending the one, the only one, whose life could be given as the once and for all sacrifice for sin. One time for every sin that had ever been committed, ever was committed, or ever would be committed. At just the right time, when the ungodly were at their most powerless, utter powerlessness, so that it could never be mistaken that they did anything for themselves, Christ died for the ungodly. Now this little bit of an aside that Paul takes off on, who dies for somebody else? I mean, it's very rare that anybody would die for a righteous person. Are you kidding me? I don't care how righteous you are. I'm not dying for you. Now, he backs up a step and says, for a very good friend, for, for someone who truly is righteous to me, for someone who's been righteous to me, for someone in whom I have a vested interest, for my family members, for them, I might die. There's a couple of them I would absolutely die for. But unrelated, ungodly, unrighteous, unsavable, undesirable people, would I die for them? Well, if I'm being honest, the answer is no. No, my life is worth something to me. I'll spend it to make sure that my children live on. I'll give it away if if one of my daughters is in danger. I'll put my life at stake if my wife is, is in danger. But somebody I don't even know? No. Somebody that I believe is unrighteous? ungodly, lost? No, I'm not dying for somebody else. And that's what Paul's saying. The number of people for whom you would die is very, very small. And and they have to meet very particular and special circumstances. You see, the love of Christ was such, God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still, and the word sinners here is inadequate. While we were still undesirable. While we were still enemies of God. While we were still the trash of the world in God's eyes. 
while we were still as undesirable as we could possibly ever get. At that moment, Christ died for us. That's what made it the right time, back in verse 6. You see, these three verses just tie so tightly together. At just the right time, when we were absolutely powerless, when we were the powerless trash of the world, Christ died for the trash. Now, somebody might, once in a great while, die for somebody really close to them. Most people wouldn't die for anybody else. But this is how God demonstrated his love for us. While we were the trash, absolutely discardable, absolutely disregardable, absolutely of no record and of no righteousness, Christ died for us. That's how God lets you know how much he loves you. When he didn't know you, before you were born, before a single moment of your life was even dreamt of, God looked down through time and saw your lost, trashy self, saw all the pain you would endure, saw all the trouble you would ever have, saw all the sin you would ever commit, saw all the tragedy you would ever have to walk through, saw the fact that one day, thousands of years in the future, you would need him, and went to the cross for you. That's how special you are. That's what Paul's trying to get at here. That's how much you mean to God. It reminds me of the story of Adam and Eve. God had told them, if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll die. And Eve says to the snake, no, if we eat from that tree, we'll die. And the snake says, like snakes always do, splitting hairs, you won't really die. Yes, they would. They would die to all the blessings that God had prepared for them, that God had had created in the garden for them. To those things, they would die forever. Physically die? Lose their life? I guess not. See, the enemy knows God's heart. He knows that God's not a murderer. That says a lot about our own theories about the end times. God didn't kill Adam and Eve. In fact, in the midst of their failure, God took the life of another part of his precious creation, his sinless creation, that had never done anything wrong. He took the lives of a couple of animals and took them out of their skins and clothed Adam and Eve with those skins. God killed part of his sinless creation in order to provide for the man and the woman in their trashiness. God's love isn't a New Testament thing. It's been there from the very first couple. It's been there from the very first pages of the Bible. God's love is his nature because God is love. It's not a new thing. It's not that the God of the Old Testament was all judgmental and angry and the God of the New Testament is all love and flowers. God has always been love. And he's always been preferential. God is just, but God is not fair. If God was fair, Adam and Eve would have been snuffed out right then. 
and you and I would never have been born if God was fair. He's not fair, he's just. But throughout the Old Testament, as we've already talked about in the first four chapters of the book of Romans, he put his justice off. He, he instituted a sacrificial system so that his justice could be delayed, so that, so that people wouldn't have to bear the brunt of God's wrath. It could be delayed until a later date. And the more he put it off, the more he understood something bigger than a human being was gonna to have to pay that price. That God himself would have to pay that price. This is how much he loved you and I. That while we were trash, while we were unrecognizable, couldn't have anything to our credit, couldn't have gotten salvation by any merit whatsoever, while we were in debt past what we could pay. When that debt of wrath had piled up to the point that it was never going to be paid by any human force or group, Christ died for us to be that sacrifice, to be that justification, to make us just who weren't even close to just to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. That's what he did. Can you go out into this day with some kind of understanding that that's how much God loves you? How would you live if you understood God loved you that much? How would you live if you could understand God loves your boss that much, or that really irritating coworker, or that kid that you have to teach, or that teacher that you have to endure. How would we live our lives if we really understood that God loves us that much?